everybody. Welcome to Becoming Better, the podcast dedicated to helping you become a better human being. I'm the host of the show, Chris Bailey. This is episode number 56, Celebrating Milestones. talking about today celebrating milestones episode 56 what no wait that? that's earlier in the script i'm on the wrong page of the script are you now yeah we don't have a script we just have notes well but. what's why do we have lines then <laughs> it says interrupt you while you're laughing right now how convenient i wish that was the case if somebody would just give us a script that'd be handy i know i'm reading what it said it said how convenient <laughs> uh, um, laughter insert laughter Anyway, we're talking about celebrating milestones today. So what does that mean? Well, what's what, which one? Celebrating or milestones? I'm not looking for a dictionary term. I'm looking for like, what, do you, what does this mean to you? Yeah, so celebrating milestones. We so rarely reflect on the milestones that we hit. There's kind of this Zagartnik effect. We've talked about it before on the podcast, the idea of open loops and the Zagartnik effect and all that weird nomenclature you've come to... Uh, befriend with this wonderful podcast, Becoming Better, uh, we need to clo- close our mental loops, right? This is why when something is uncompleted, it just kind of weighs on our mind. We forget uh, about all the times we've cleaned out all the closets of the house, but if that one basement closet is just overstuffed with things, we, we can't get it off of our mind. And that's because open loops are intentionally costly. But the reason that this is the case is we remember what's unresolved more than what is completed. We remember it far, far more. And this effect is called the Zagartnik effect. And that is what leads us to forget about all the things we've done, all the things we've accomplished, all the things we've completed. And you might have noticed this in your own life, in your own days, where you ship a big project on Friday, maybe you have drinks that evening, and then on Monday... You just go back to the next project. You go to the other things on your list. Often there's a big hole where that project used to be, but this lack of closure can create a bit of ambiguity in our lives. And uh, that depends on our need for closure in the first place, but it is cognitively costly. Plus, we just deserve a celebration. So this is really relevant to us right now. The reason we thought we would talk about this is because we're coming up on some pretty big milestones ourselves. What? Uh, I mean, we just celebrated our ninth anniversary, which is pretty yeah. cool. Um, but the, that aside... The like, only anniversary that matters to me right now is the podcast. Oh, yeah. I guess we're, I don't know, like two and a half years. <laughs> uh, 52 would have been two years, right? Yeah, but we skipped a summer. So How's it, it was, been two years already? It's been a little more than two years, I think. Huh. I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, our anniversary matters too. Not as much as the, but it does matter a lot. Uh, Sorry, priorities. <laughs> Anyways, we were talking about, uh, I mean, we have a lot of other milestones coming up as well. So personal stuff aside, we have some pretty big project or work stuff in both of our lives. Yeah. You're wrapping up a book. So that takes quite a lot of time. It's a really big milestone. I'm wrapping up several papers and my thesis, which is another big milestone. Yeah. So that'll be happening in the next few months, hopefully in a year. Um, and so all of these things are, kind of culminating and we realized we have a lot of milestones ahead of us and mm-hmm. normally we're pretty good at celebrating milestones but I think we wanted to be a little more intentional about that so we kind of dug into what milestones actually are what closure really means for people and for projects what does closure mean you were doing a bit of digging into the research on this 
before. We actually both did a a little closure survey even. I mean, closure can mean a lot of different things. There's obviously, people have a lot of weighted, there's a lot of baggage that comes with this term, right? I mean, it can be associated with coming to terms with a kind of loss or something more negative or, or, or sad, but yeah, there's it also... Often, it often has that negative tinge to the word, but it, it doesn't have to, does it? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, if you go into the Wikipedia rabbit hole, you'll find all sorts of different definitions <laughs> for closure. And we did on and your And we behalf. did. I feel like I've read a lot of psychology articles in the last, like, 24 hours or so. Huh. Um, but basically, all when we're thinking about a more psychological angle of of closure. Really what this means is there's this basically a desire to close some kind of ambiguity or like wrap yeah. up some kind of ambiguity that you might be experiencing. Um and this this is the really key feature here is that usually closure is associated with wrapping up some kind of ambiguous or uncertain period in your life. Mm. I see I'm looking at a definition here. Number one doesn't really apply. Number two, eh. but number three is a sense. <laughs> this is how interesting this episode of the podcast has become. I'm now reading a dictionary definition of closure uh, of all words, but this one actually applies quite well to this episode. Uh, a sense of resolution or conclusion at the end of an artistic work. Beautiful. And I think the cool thing about this is that there's actually a hugely personal element about this, about how much closure you as an individual Uh really needs. And I think this is something we found that we both did this assessment that's been validated to the nines in the in the psychological literature, but basically there is an assessment you can take that measures what kind of or how how seriously you need closure in your life. So it's forty-one questions. It's called the Need for Closure Scale. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes. And the scores range from 82 to 246. So 82 to 246. What was your score? My score is 135. So okay. if you're, I think it, it's actually if you're under an 82, you're at a low. So I think the lowest you can get is 41 because uh, you score one on every single question. Oh, I see. I um, see. But you could get an 82, which means you have a low need for closure. Yeah. Um, but anything above a 205 would mean you have a high need okay. for closure. So neither of us have a high need for closure. No. I scored 113. And we're a little closer to the, the chill side. So I think we, I don't want to say chill. That's not the right word. But it's just we don't have as much of a need for closure as individuals who might might have less tolerance for ambiguity. And I think this is kind of the trade-off, right? Where if you are less tolerant of ambiguity or, or, or uncertainty in your life, this is where you would have a higher need for closure. I'd be curious, and uh, I'd imagine there's a bit of research on this, just looking at what kind of different lives people live at various uh, levels of this scale. I know there's some corollaries in the research. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's been associated with things like um, creativity. So individuals oh. with a higher need for closure typically have a slightly lower creativity score oh. when it's been assessed. Um, and it's also associated with things like therapy and, and, and mm. recovery from um, trauma from trauma or things like that. It basically leads to some kind of like satisfaction or catharsis, I guess, mm, interesting. Um, if, you, if you get closure, I guess. Because so, the more disorderly your past has been, the more orderly you want your future to be. Possible? I actually have no idea if that's true, I, but it sounds plausible. It sounds true. It sounds plausible. But we'll oft- go as far as that. <laughs> often the things that sound the truest are the most false, including what I just said. <laughs> 
Yeah. So bringing this back to what we're talking about today is celebrating milestones. Mm. And really what I think this is kind of an interesting idea because if you have a higher need for closure, that probably means you need to celebrate more milestones, right? This is a really big idea in the project management literature and project oh. management practices. Well, I'm happy we didn't lead with that because uh, people boring. wouldn't have made it eight minutes in. Sorry, some people are really into project management. Oh, and if yeah. you're one of those people, kudos to you because project managers are a godsend. Actually, there probably are a lot of project managers that listen to the podcast and, and we, we, we love you. We respect you and we appreciate you. But it's not everybody's cup of tea. But neither are economics or productivity. So who are That's we to fair. say what is interesting? But all that to say... But the Zagartnik effect is everybody's cup of tea. Am I right? No, I'm not. That's I'm the answer. i skip along and keep going with this. But basically in the project management literature, there's this whole set of literature that basically argues that Embedding project closure phases in any project lifecycle is incredibly important for a whole host of reasons. For some, it also it, it provides motivation because you know that there's some kind of closure event at the end of your project. There's a big party. There's a celebration. A cake. Oh. I feel like a cake in the office is like the biggest deal. Project managers do not invite cake into the office. They invite efficiency and effectiveness. You've had bad project managers. (laughs) I feel like I've had very good project managers. I actually have had very bad project managers, but that's that's beside the point. There was no cake, only efficiency. Well, I I feel bad for you. But all that to say, there's not only the celebration aspect, but there's also, uh, it's a good moment for reflection, right? It it Mm -hmm. gives you a moment to pause and acknowledge what went well, what maybe didn't go well and could be improved upon in the future. But it also gives you a moment to just make sure you're really done, right? It prevents projects becoming orphaned where everybody's forgotten Mm. about it or assumed it's done when there are actually maybe things that are outstanding. And this is not just specific to like organizational level projects, that's also important for your personal projects, right? You want to make sure you're celebrating a milestone when it's actually done. So it's a kind of mental cue for you that, hey, we're doing this celebration ritual that we always do when we finish something. That must mean we're really done all of the little things that we needed to remember about whatever project it is. If it's a paper, if it's a a home renovation, if it's a purchasing some big event uh, or purchasing some big item, it basically gives you that mental cue that it's really over. And this is the time to go through. I'm guessing a project manager might talk about a post-project flow or something like that. But this would be a good time to uh, not not only, we'll we'll talk about rewards in a sec, but do the post-mortem of the project. Uh, What went wrong? What went well? What went differently in ways good and bad from how you expected? How can you learn from those lessons in the future? And this kind of dovetails off of episode 39 of the podcast, uh, where we talked about the the power of doing a pre-mortem. And so essentially before any big project, any big endeavor, essentially, you fast forward to the end of it and think, oh, it, it went catastrophically wrong. What happened? Uh, and that's a good time when you uh, conduct the postmortem to reflect on the pre-mortem too and think, did the things that we anticipated going wrong or did the roadblocks we thought we would encounter, did we hit those? And if we did, were we able to maneuver around them or jump over them? Uh, whatever analogy you want to use there. But uh, we, we often have these uh, flows for getting out of a project, of wrapping it up, of uh, having that, uh, you know, end post mortem. But we also need to celebrate 
a lot more than we do. Yeah, and I think celebration is just a fun word for closure, right? Oh, yeah. It's a more fun form of giving yourself that sense of closure. So what are some of your favorite rewards? Let's maybe dive into some of the fun stuff. I mean, everything is food for you. It's (laughs) always food. It's food all the way down. Oh, is that a reference to turtles all the way down? Excellent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway. um, Good job. You get uh, 15 podcast points. Yay. It's not as many as before, but there's a recession. A podcast recession in the po- in this podcast. I don't know any of the economics of that, but sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's all made up in my mind, so I, even I can't understand it. You invented a currency and business cycles. Way to go. Mm-hmm. But all that to say, food is definitely an obvious intentional indulgence, I think you've called these, right? Yeah. What does that mean? Oh, yes. And so this is something that uh, I've been interviewed a couple times on on this very topic of because I'm all about binge watching stuff. Uh, There are a lot of productivity, quote unquote, experts, people who write about this stuff, research this stuff for a living, who are against binge watching and against indulgence of different kinds. Like productivity is great. But so is wine and Indian food and and pizza. So why shouldn't we welcome these things into our life intentionally? And so I am all about this intentional indulgence, whether it's with food, whether it's with Netflix, whether it's having a few drinks, whether it's getting a a manicure, a pedicure of a spa, whatever, whatever example that you want to use. Indulgence is okay, when we do so intentionally. And so this is something to keep in mind. You know, we feel guilt usually after indulging unintentionally. But what you'll find is when you indulge in these sin things, if you want to label them as that, eating a bit too much, having a couple drinks, uh, so on and so forth, what you'll find is that guilt often fills the vacuum that a lack of intentionality leaves. And so when we act in accordance with what we set out to do, we actually feel quite accomplished after doing that. And that's true whether or not we intend to answer all our emails and get to inbox zero, whether we intend to blow through our podcast queue in an afternoon of just cleaning the heck out of the house. Hello, house cleaners. That's how I often listen to podcasts. Uh, that's true if we intend to indulge in an evening as well. Uh, we, we do have to celebrate at the right time, as, as I know you're a big proponent of, but especially if we decide ahead of time how we wish to indulge, who we want to be with, uh, how we're going to disconnect while we indulge, what we're going to order, how many episodes we're going to watch, what kind of margaritas we're going to make. Man! What's better than that? Especially if you do so intentionally, then you might see opportunities to make the experience a bit more uh, deep and meaningful at the same time by bringing other people into the fold. For sure. I mean, a good example of this kind of like intentional indulgence was back when I was in, I guess this is going back to high school. So when I was in high school, I used to intentionally play Sims all through the night uh, after I finished all my exams. So every semester when I would finish all my finals, <laughs> I would tell all my friends, I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm just going to go home and play Sims for like 12 hours straight. And that's 
like objectively probably not a great use of time, but at the time, and not even at the time, I still look back at that and think it was such an awesome way to finish finals because it felt like such an indulgence to me because I never did that during the semester. Yeah. So it was a nice way to wrap something up without feeling guilty because it was exactly what I wanted to well, do. And also, who's to tell you that your time is not properly used when you have enjoyed how you spent it? And the odds that you'll enjoy how you spend your time when you intentionally indulge go through the roof because you don't just kind of live on autopilot mode and do whatever floats your fancy that evening and indulge in whatever. You decide ahead of time, no, I'm not ordering a large pizza. I am ordering an extra large pizza because I deserved it. (laughs) And I am not having this, uh, this... rosé that we have in the fridge. I'm getting a nice Baco Noir for this evening to go with this extra large, what's on this pizza? Pineapple for sure. Uh, please don't email us. Pepperoni, um, Brooklyn pepperoni, and uh, some peppers, please. Interesting combination. All that pineapple and red wine. I don't know if that goes well together, but I'll let you do your intentional indulgence. One thing I wanted to circle back on is, I know you mentioned that Oh, I can't believe I just said circle back. <laughs> you, you're becoming a project manager before our very eyes. Oh my goodness. I have been in emails all day. Anyway. If, if I could offer you a little bit of uh, 360 feedback for the podcast, it would be to keep the uh, nomenclature of project management to a minimum, please. I will get on that and I'll put it in the Gantt chart. Anyway, uh, that's all I know about project management. Gantt charts all the way down. Celebrating at the right time. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit more about celebrating at the right time. This was something you hinted at a little bit, a little, a few minutes ago, I guess. But basically, this is something I've thought about a lot because I think we kind of tend to maybe over-celebrate too early. Um, What are you trying to say? (laughs) Well, I think it just, sometimes I feel like we celebrate all these tiny little milestones with huge gestures, which is Mm. really exciting. And I love that we're so we're so diligent about making sure we do mark big or big milestones in our own life and in our work. Um, but I do think one maybe caveat of that is that we sometimes get a little excited and celebrate things before they're actually like fully completed. Um, because it is exciting to get like some kind of interim milestone. I know like a draft report is a really exciting thing to finish or like a draft of the book or all these very many, you can find a million interim milestones, but I think it's important to make sure that you give yourself the mental freedom of celebrating when things are actually done, like waiting until things are completely finished so you can really get all the benefits of closing those loops, mm-hmm. right? It is, the loop is closed. You've celebrated when you can finally step back from the project because it's over. I think that's really important, but also making sure that the celebrations for milestones are kind of proportional to the accomplishment, right? Yeah, and yeah. I think this is where if you do have a higher need for closure and you want to celebrate more of these smaller milestones along the way, I think that's awesome. But making sure that you kind of condition yourself to know that if it's going to be a smaller milestone, it's going to be celebrated with something a little bit smaller. So maybe rather than the full mani-pedi that you're going to get at the spa when you finish the entire project or whatever thing you're working towards, you just buy a new nail polish and do your nails at home. Yeah, that's kind of a delicate balancing act, isn't it, in a way? Because we all have these big projects, and I, I like to use the example of a book because it very much, from the point of inception to the point of publication, that can be five years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. It's a very long 
uh, often drawn out process. Uh, so it's tough to know the points at which we should be celebrating milestones. What, one little tactic that I use for that is when I've reached a closure point. So a point where it makes sense to have a bit of closure with what I've done so far. And, and closure is it's a weird term to use, but it's kind of kind of the best one for this case. We often think, "Oh, I'm you know in in grief, and so I need closure or or something along those lines." But we need closure from good things to remind ourselves that we have done good and created something worthwhile. And so that is uh, usually the point at which I integrate a bit of celebration into the into the schedule when I'm done the draft of a book, when I've done the proposal, when a, a different part of a project is completed and shipped, that's a good natural closure point. And so instead of identifying milestones, um, identify your milestones, but also identify which ones are a point where a certain branch of work stops with a project because that's a good point at which to celebrate, to pat yourself on the back, to down that bottle of Baco Noir and roll up those slices of pizza and just go to town. Or play Sims all night. Or Whatever play Sims floats your boat. All night. Intentional indulgence is the word of the day. I love it. All right. Oh, a shorter episode. Look at that. 21 minutes. Perfect. You think we should ramble for eight minutes or should we get everybody out of here on time with a few minutes to spare? Give them their time back. Uh, I was going to say ramble. You can go do yoga for five minutes if you're... If you were committing to a half an hour podcast, you I mean, got five minutes of your life back, go do a nice stretch. Your back will help. Will thank you. I mean, most people probably saw the time ahead of time. Ah, maybe it just came up in the queue and you were expecting oh. a 30 minute episode. If that's if that's you and we're speaking to you and you were waiting for another eight minutes of this podcast, oh. go go take a stretch. Go yeah. do a meditation. Take this break. If you I'm tap, giving you permission. If you tap on the notification for a podcast, does it start playing the episode? I don't get notifications podcast? for podcasts. Uh, I get it for this one. If you get notifications on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating or a review of the show and email me a screenshot of it. Chris at a life of productivity.com. Uh, we will mail you a postcard for the podcast. The postcards that we just wrapped up, they are beautiful. They are. We, we wrote a little note on the back of them for the dear listeners of the podcast. So if you want a note, just let me know. I'm happy to write a note. Or if you want to use the postcard yourself, send it to a friend. We can leave it blank if you'd like. We can just put it in a white envelope and mail it off to you. But anyway, finishing up, becomingbettershow.com is where you can find the show notes and also in your podcast player. They are there as well. We hope you have a wonderful week. And we'll see you in a couple Tuesdays. Bye.